Well, good morning, Lake Avenue. It is so great to be here this morning. Um, as many of you may or may not know, our ministry council and our pastor, they're all uh, our elders pack up and they go off to a retreat once a year. So um, all the big wigs are gone, so we can have some fun this weekend, huh? <laughs> Let our hat down. Let's party. All right. <laughs> I got to keep things in order because they're going to want to know if I kept it in one piece. So let's keep this thing together, all right? Um, uh, I'm really excited about what God is doing in the life of our church. Um, uh, Recently, many of you may know that uh, I've got a new job uh, change. No longer am I exclusively just with high school, but I have this, this, this cool title. It's called Intergenerational Pastor. Uh, we're still trying to figure out what it means, but we're, we're excited to have it. Um, and I'm just excited. Uh, one of the things that it means is that I have the opportunity to, uh, to do what I absolutely love, and that is to open up God's Word and to teach more in the different venues that we have, uh, both here in the weekend services and then on Sunday night at the warehouse at 6 o'clock, where we, we're always preaching the same message that Greg preach, preaches in the morning. So uh, please come out. How many of you have ever been to the warehouse on Sunday night before? Y'all should come out and visit. It'll be fun. We'll have a good time. Um, and before I open up the message, I also want to thank God for, for my pastor. Uh, even in his absence, he has given me the opportunity uh, to share uh, what I love to do, and that's to open up God's Word for God's people. And he really doesn't have to do that, and he really doesn't have to be that gracious. So I am grateful for Dr. Waybright and his commitment and his vision for our body and our church. Amen? Amen. 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 This morning we look at a very familiar passage of scripture. There in Daniel chapter 3, we see the ever-popular King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the story really begins and it really gets exciting and we see the fruit of what happens in chapter 3 when we glance back and we see what's going on in the tail end of chapter 2. Uh, in chapter 2, Daniel, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is having this dream. He keeps having this dream and he calls all of his wise men to come and he's saying, I need help interpreting this dream. I don't know what this dream means. So this dream keeps reoccurring, but no one can help him with the dream. So finally, after frustration, King Nebuchadnezzar says, all right, you wise men, you're not benefiting me, so I'm going to kill every last one of you. Then the young Israelite, uh, uh, Daniel, says, uh, well, before we start doing that, can I try? Uh, so, so, so Daniel, great time to speak up. Good timing, Daniel. So Daniel speaks up and he says, King, if you would just give me some moments. I won't interpret it, but I'm going to go to my God, and I'm going to lay before him and ask him to speak to me concerning your dream. Daniel goes and prays to his God, and he comes back before the king, and he tells the king what his dream was, and then he goes on to begin to interpret the dream. Now, the king's dream was something about this this tall statue, this huge image that was made of these different materials, and uh, it began with gold, then silver, then bronze, then iron. Uh, and, 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 and Daniel told him all of that. And he began to interpret what this dream means and what the king took away uh, this, this gold image. The head of this image was golden, and it represented Babylon, which was the place where King Nebuchadnezzar had dominion, had power over. And the king took that. He was so grateful for Daniel interpreting the dream. The king literally laid before Daniel and praised the God of Daniel and said, Daniel's God is the God. Daniel's God is the God above all kings, above all lords. Daniel's 
Daniel's God is the God. He was so excited, he gave Daniel a promotion, and he gave him all these royal gifts. He says, Daniel, I'm going to make you a prince over one of my provinces. And Daniel, being a good friend, being a good friend, he said, well, if you're going to give me a, 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 a new job, I got some homies that need, a, that need, another, that need to be hooked up. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, homies' friends hooked up an opportunity for gainful employment. Um, uh, so, so, so like a good friend, you always want to have a friend like Daniel. He calls Meshach, Shatrach, and Abednego, and they all get promotions, and they go on. And that's when we open and we see in chapter 3, we see chapter 3, here it is, King Nebuchadnezzar is building an image. And this image is 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and it's made of gold. So King Nebuchadnezzar has left this great moment with God, with Daniel's God, and then he goes and he builds an image. And he calls all of his leaders, all of his province officials, and he calls them all in and he says, come and bow before this image. He tells the herald, he says, make the call and says, when you hear the music, you come and you bow before this image of gold. And anybody who doesn't bow, they will be burnt, burned in the fiery furnace. <laughs> That's when we come upon this unexpected song. This, this song that will now force everyone to either bow or to stand under the power of King Nebuchadnezzar but not Daniel's God. <laughs> this unexpected song is what I want to take a few moments and talk about this morning. This, this unexpected song, the, these unforeseen opportunities where we are forced to either bow or stand. Now, in my pre preparation for this morning, I had to stop and think, is anything like this even relevant for 2008? Do we, do we even have anything that looks like this? Of course we do. It, it, it doesn't take long to just even begin to look at look at our advertisement. Look at look at look at look at look at the TV. Look at what we see on TV. I love. I'm a lover of theme songs. I love theme songs. I don't know about you, but I love talk show, TV show theme songs, movie theme songs, uh, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air in West Philadelphia, Born and Raised on the Playground, or or how about this one? Uh, Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Christians shouldn't watch that show. Um, uh, or the Brady Bunch, dun, 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 the Brady Bunch. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I got to go back a little further. What's John? What you listen to? Gilligan's Island. Okay, all right, all right. Gilligan's Island. I'm... So, 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 regardless of, of where it fits you, uh, or, or even movies, um, I, I, have you ever thought about it? I'm, I'm probably the only one that ever thought about it. I ever thought if my life, if like, if I could walk around and have my own theme music. I mean, like if I walk in the room and the theme music just started playing, it would probably sound a lot like Shab. Walk it, walk it, walk it, walk it, who is the man? You know, because if you, you know anything about Shab, you know, Shab is his real cool brother. He has his black leather jacket on and he just saves the day. And when he walks in, it's just, it's like, walk it, walk it, walk it, walk it. You know, it's like, it's like this rhythm. And, and I think about that, but the thing about a theme song is it literally encapsulates everything and all of the themes of that movie. All of the, all of the images, all of the main points of that movie, usually a good theme song will, will encapsulate that. Have you ever thought about what if our culture had a theme song? 
What if the world had a theme song? What would it sound like? What would be some of the themes? Well, we can just look at some of our commercials. Let's take Sprite, for instance. What's the Sprite logo? Obey your thirst. Just, just whatever, whatever, you, whatever you want, obey that. Of course, they, they're hoping that you're going to want Sprite. So they want you to just obey your thirst. What about Nike? They say, just do it. Whatever it is, as long as you got Nike's on, just do it. If you're sitting at work and all of a sudden you want to take off running, put on some Nikes and start running. Just do it. Oh, Burger King. What about Burger King? Burger King, I love theirs. It says, have it your way. However you want it, have it your way. You show up and you tell us how you want it done and you can have it your way, which is always frustrating to me because I never eat onions and pickles. And every time I get a hamburger from Burger King, I get in the car and it's got onions and pickles on it. And I say, this is not my way. This is not what I wanted. (laughs) Not have it your way. And, And all of these logos, all of these themes, they're fine if you look at them within themselves, but... When you parallel these themes to the themes of Christianity, when it's not obey your thirst, it's obey God. When, when, it's, when it's not just do it, but it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will tell you what to do. It, it, it's, it's not have it your way. But Jesus said himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. See, the, the, these competing themes, and what I'm saying today is that we live in these themes. And there's a song of culture that continuously implements these themes. And before we know it, we begin to live our lives responding to the song of culture and not the song of God. We begin to take on these themes of culture and we begin to posture ourselves because music provokes a certain posture. When you hear music, it causes you to change your posture. It changes who you are. My two-year-old little girl, she can just be walking and all of a sudden music comes on and she just start, you know, just, you know, shaking, you know, just start running. I don't know if that's, if that's cultural or if it's just natural, but she, I just know when she hears beat, she just start going because she recognizes that music provokes a response. I want to talk about today this music of our culture that carries these themes and our ability to listen and hear and identify how these themes have impacted our lives. Oh yeah, they impact our lives. Just look at the dad, the dad who who hears the theme of culture, the song of culture that says, work hard and provide, work hard and provide. And he allows that song to begin to infiltrate his thinking in all his life. Every day, he works hard and he provides. He works hard and he provides. Only after many years to come home and see that his wife feels like a single mother and his children feel like their dad is more committed to working hard than he is to loving them. But it's the song of culture. It's, it's like that mom, that mom who all she hears is, well, the job of the mom is to be there. You're supposed to be there at the PTA. Be there for the, to help out with the kids at school. Be there to teach the schools. Be there for dad when he comes home. Be there for everyone else. And hey, that doesn't sound so bad, but if you were to really pull back the song of culture, what's really happening is it's easier for her to be there for them Because at the end of the day, it's difficult for her to be there for herself. 
Because if she was to be real honest, she spent so much time giving out. So when she looks in the mirror, she doesn't remember who she even is anymore. So it's easier for me to be there for you because I know you. But to be there for me, I don't remember who I am. See, the song of culture, if you get into it, it it'll mess. It's, like the, it's like the young girl who, who says, who, who says the, 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 the song of the, our culture is to be accepted and to be needed. I just want to be accepted and I want to be needed. I want to be accepted. And she begins to live her life and posture herself in a way. And then you're surprised when she shows up with a boyfriend who accepts her and, oh, he needs her. But he also abuses her. But she says, I'm accepted and he needs me so I can't live him. I can't leave him. So I'll compromise my own values to be accepted and needed. It's subtle. It's subtle. But if you listen, if you listen, you can hear the young boy who wants to fit in and be cool. That's the theme of the song. That's the song. He wants to fit in and to be cool. And he spends all his life trying to, trying to posture himself to fit this song. And when he finally fits in and he's, he's now cool, when they begin to drink at the party, he's confused and doesn't know what to do. Because... All he's ever wanted to do is to fit in and be cool, and now this is a part of it. So now I'll, I'll, I'll risk my values. I'll risk everything that I learned, everything that mom and dad taught me, because I want to fit in and be cool. And if drinking causes me to fit in and be cool, then I'm willing to do it. We can paint this picture many different ways and many different shapes. It shows up in so many different small ways in our life. And the purpose of our morning together today is that we will pause, stop, and begin to think, how is this song of culture impacting my life? And how am I responding to the music that's being played? <laughs> we have three examples this morning. Three examples. King never King Nebuchadnezzar was the first example we want to look at. He has this God moment, and then he tries to pull in, he tries to pull God in to his own moment. Uh, it, it's, it's this idea of syncretism. It's, it's, it's taking a thought and then taking the, uh, the, 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 the actual opposing thought and trying to force them in together. Taking, taking God, and then King Nebuchadnezzar tried to force God into who he wanted to be. It, it, it's this idea of him seeing how great God is, and, and, and as opposed to him saying, I, I, I want to follow this God, he says, God, you're great, now follow me. God, I want to take all that you are, and I don't want to be shaped by you, but I want to shape you to fit who I am. Syncretism. At the end of the day, it's real simple. King Nebuchadnezzar made God, even God, all about him. He says, I want y'all to bow down to this image because it represents my authority, my political authority, and my religious authority. And it's all about me. I, I, I had a hard time trying to explain this concept. So I got a video. If, if King Nebuchadnezzar was to do a song, if he was to write a song, if he was listening to music when he thought about this idea, it would have looked and sounded a little bit like this. Check this out. all about you. Now the greatest collection of me worship ever assembled on one CD. It's all about All 20 songs, all about you. This amazing collection is great to share with friends, if you have any. 
everyone can join in the worship with you, for you, and about you. Because you are unique, and you love you. There is none like me. No one else All this can for only $19.95. Like Operators do. are standing by to serve you. And I am why I sing. And I am why I live. If you order now, you'll also receive a second CD of Yule Tide Favorites. Call 1-800-ME-ME-ME or order online at memyselfandi.com Call today because no one can praise you like you. That's King Nebuchadnezzar. That's King Nebuchadnezzar. That's him right there. He was so focused on his own image and how great he was, he couldn't see the greatness of God. He, 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 he took the greatness of God, but it was blurred by the image of himself. Oh, and he took this personally. He said, if you didn't come and if you didn't bow down to this image, you would die in the fiery furnace. So when these three Hebrew boys refused to bow, when they stood... He was insulted, and, and he was arrogant about it. He, he took it as a personal offense, and, and he began to say, well, if you don't bow, I'm going to heat the furnace seven times higher. And then when that, didn't, when that didn't sway the Hebrew boys, he was offended, and he began to arrogant. It was no longer about him trying to express who this great God was. It was all about him now showing vengeance. He, he really looked at the Hebrew boys and says, who are you in your comparison to me? How dare you rebel against me? You or your God, how dare you think that you're more powerful than that? And he began to flex his strength. says, heat up the furnace seven times higher. You will surely die and you will die a gruesome death. He was insulted and he was arrogant because it was all about him. He had began to align his life with the song of culture that says it's all about you. My challenge is to us today. Have we made our life all about ourselves? Well, Albert, what does this look like? How do we know if it's all about us? Well, well, let's take a look at this, this idea of arrogance. He refused to listen. He refused to listen. He refused. He, he, he looked at them as if, as if they were less than he was. He, he was judgmental. He looked down on who they were. And finally... He was willing to put him in a pit of fire and walk away and not give him a second thought. Do you listen? Do you look down on people? Are you willing to give up on people and walk away and never give a second thought? The question is, this morning, how does this theme of arrogance show up in your life? And how do you respond to the song? When the song of arrogance is played, what do you say? What do you do? Think about it. Think about it.
you imagine the three Hebrew boys? Here they are, just got promoted. If they hadn't been promoted, they wouldn't even been asked to come to this whole religious ceremony. So here they are, they just got this new job, and now all of a sudden they're forced to stand for their faith. I'm sure they were like, thanks for the hookup, Daniel. Way to go. Everyone is prepared to bow. The music, the stage is set. The herald calls out. And if you were standing there, knowing that if you don't bow, you would die, what would you have done? Oh, it's so easy to say, oh yeah, I bow, but I caution you, think about it. If they were killing Christians, your family, your friends, your children, you lose it all if you bow. I'm just going to be honest, Lake Avenue. I would have been like... One, two, three. Oh, y'all going? Okay, I'll stay up. Y'all, y'all going to go down? <laughs> I would have been second guessing. I would have been thinking. I would have been looking around. Is anybody else? Oh, man, this is tempting. I got a baby girl at home. I got a daughter two years old. I got a beautiful wife. Am I about to lose all that? I was just thinking, well, me and God, we can repent. I can go to the room, put on a nice Christian CD, listen to some Benny, Billy Graham, and start all over again, you know? But that wasn't an option. These men stood under the pressure. Think about everyone going down and they're just standing. See, friends, they had a faith that was fixed. It was a faith that was fixed not on a beautiful outcome because listen to their statement. This is probably one of the most profound statements of faith in Scripture. He says, King... Our God is well able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. But here it is. Even if he doesn't, he's still able. Their faith wasn't fixed on a beautiful, happy ending. Their faith wasn't fixed. I'm going to believe God as long as it comes out the way that I want it to come out. They were saying, even if this, even if we die in the fiery furnace, our God is still able. He's still worthy. And we will not bow. See, many times our faith is fixed on a good outcome. Our faith is fixed on us being healed from the cancer or us being delivered or being raised from the deathbed. But what, when, what, what, what happens when, when God's will doesn't happen the way that we want it to happen? What, what happens when the happy ending doesn't look like what we want it to look like? Can we still trust God when we can't trace God? Can we still believe him when we're searching, trying to figure out what in the world he's doing? They said, Although we may die. It's as if they said to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, we will be with our God. A faith that was fixed. Friends, you may be in this place today. And you may feel the pressure of life. You may hear this song and it's causing you to to, want to bow or to give in. I know many of us came in this place encouraged this morning, but I want to talk to those of you that might have walked through the door this morning and you're on the verge of giving up, on the verge of throwing in the towel. And you, you, it, it, it may not be giving up on God, but maybe giving up on God's promise for you. Maybe, maybe giving up on, on what you, who, who he's called you to be and saying there's no way I can ever be who God's called me to be. 
Maybe you're on the verge of giving up hope. Maybe you came in here and you're a couple and you're on the verge of going to the divorce court. I encourage you today, hold on. Stand. I know the pressure is heavy. And all, everyone else, and you look around and it's so much easier to bow. Everyone else is bowing. How easy, it's so much easier just to give up hope. It's so much easier just to throw in the towel and surrender. I want to challenge you today. Stand. If you don't have anything else to do, still, I have nothing left to give, still stand. Because although bowing is easy, standing is worth it. Because God will always, always take care of you. Whether he takes care of you on this side of heaven or on the other side, God has a plan for your life. So if you're in this place today and you're thinking about giving in the pressure, let me encourage your heart. Stand. Friends, the question is, in this moment right now, I want you to ask yourself, how is it that this song of giving up, this, this song of throwing in the towel, this song of bowing, how does this song show up in your life? When this song of bowing begins to play, what do you say? What do you do? How do you respond to this song when it shows up in your life? Pause. Stop. Listen what God might be saying to you. imagine the crowd as, as, as they watch this whole saga play out? The crowd, those that were standing around and those that begin to bow, those that begin to bow, and all of a sudden they all go down and they see the three Hebrew boys still standing. Those, um, you know, back when I was growing up in our little kindergarten class, in our Sunday school class, the teacher would always put a special emphasis on, on, on us when we prayed to bow our heads and close our eyes. She would always say, bow your head and close your eyes. And it was so hard to get us to close our eyes. So she would make sure that we all closed our eyes. And I remember one time, my little cousin, Jennifer Knight, Jennifer, after we finished praying, she raised her hand and she said, teacher, 
Albert didn't close his eyes. <laughs> and it took me a little while to get it. I was a little slow, but then I raised my hand and I said, Teacher, the only way she would have known that my eyes weren't closed is if her eyes were open. <laughs> this crowd, they were bowed, but their eyes were opened. They were bowed, but they were still looking. They were bowed, but still curious. I'm sure they had bowed before many gods before. And can you imagine bowing after image after image, bowing to God after God, and still not being satisfied? Still not having that, 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 that empty place in your soul, still not having this golden image meet your most innermost needs in, in the core of your soul, still not being satisfied? They were bowed, but still looking. Friends, parenthetically here, I want to encourage the believers, those of us who name the name of Jesus Christ, be careful of how you live your life. Make sure that we always consider that there are those who are around us who may be bowed, but still looking. The, 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 the neighbors up the hall that, 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 that live uh, in a totally different religion, totally different lifestyle, you look at them and say there's no way in the world that they'll ever be Christians. They may be bowed, but I can almost guarantee you they're looking. Looking to see what is it about their God that causes them to stand when everyone else is bowed. Can you imagine those that were bowed as they begin to look up to the three Hebrew boys, knowing that standing is dying, knowing that standing is the, the fiery furnace? Can you imagine? They're saying, what is it about them that causes them to stand for their God? What is it about them? What is it about their God that causes them to risk their life and put their life on the line all because they refuse to worship another God? What is it about their God? that causes them to stand. I'm bowed, but I'm still looking. I'm bowed, but I'm still curious because I'm wondering, what is it about your God that causes you to love unconditionally? What is it about your God that causes you to help the helpless? What is it about your God that causes you to feed the hungry? What is it about your God that causes you to love people that are so hard to love? What is it about your God that's so different? Yeah, I'm bowed. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. But I'm still looking and I'm watching and I'm asking the question, what what is it about your God? This crowd was bowed, but they were still curious. We've got to live our life exemplifying the love of Jesus Christ because we don't know who's watching us. We don't know who has their eye fixed on our life and saying, if they name the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to watch and see how it works for them. Those of you that may be in this place today, and you may be sitting in here in this religious gathering, and you may say, yeah, I'm in the bowed category. And you don't even know why you ended up in church today. Maybe a friend invited you, or maybe you just walked in because you needed a place to get away from the rain. If you're sitting in here today, and if you're bowed, I want to encourage you. Keep your eyes open. 
Don't close your eyes and accept the life of hopelessness, the life that, that's, that's, that, that's lived outside of the family of God. I'm glad that you're here today, and although you may be bowed, I want you to keep on looking. I want you to keep your eyes open because just like, just like Zacchaeus, who was, who, was, who was one that was bowed, he came, and he, he came and he climbed up on a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus and how great it was for Zacchaeus to know that when Jesus came up, Zacchaeus literally, Jesus literally looked up right where Zacchaeus was and he called Zacchaeus by name, letting Zacchaeus know, Zacchaeus, you're looking for me. But I'm also looking for you. Jennifer was looking at me and I was looking at her. And you may be here and you bow and you're looking for Jesus. And I want you to know something today. He's looking for you. Keep your eyes open. Don't give up hope. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So the question is for you. What, what are the themes that cause you to close your eyes to the greatness of God? What, what are the things of this culture that try, that try to cause you to look away from the greatness of God and, 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 and to dwindle down into hopelessness? I want to encourage you. I want you to think about how this song is played in your life. And I want you to search your heart today. Because I don't want you to give in to the song of culture that says close your eyes and live a life of hopelessness. I want you to hear the song of God's greatness. Stop. Pause. Think about the song of greatness. The king is furious and upset. The three Hebrew boys are bound and headed to the fiery furnace, and the crowd's eyes are fixed in watching this whole saga go down. Well, you know how the story ends. They get there to the fiery furnace. The king has heated the furnace seven times hotter than normal. The fire is so hot, the two that throw in the bound Hebrew boys are consumed by the heat of the fire. The two, the two officers die immediately. The king was so arrogant, 
so arrogant, he's sitting there and he says to himself, I want to see this. I want to see those Hebrew boys all burned up. I want to see this. So this arrogant king stops and he peers over and he looks in. And he says, did not we put in three men bound? I see four loose men walking around and the fourth looks like the Son of God. The three Hebrew boys are in there and it was almost as if God was watching this story go down and God said, you know, I'm going to go down there myself for this one. And God steps in the fiery furnace that tells me when the world turns the heat up in your life, it's no time to sweat, no time to worry because God himself will show up in the most heated situations in your life. If you stand under pressure, if you hold on and trust him and keep the faith, he will show up in your fiery furnace. God shows up. (laughs) Can you imagine the king? Can you imagine his response? He calls those Hebrew boys out. He tells them to come out. He, 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 says, he, say, he says, come out. And he's amazed because here he is, was about to kill God's men. Can you imagine how overwhelmed he was? I really don't like the way the story ends. It seems like there needs to be a different chapter. So I'm going to take a hermeneutical license today and I'm going to add some stuff. All right? Let, let, let's, let's give them another chance. Let's give them another song. If King Nebuchadnezzar had an opportunity to, to, to give another song, if he had another opportunity to respond differently, after seeing this great miracle in the fiery furnace, after seeing the hand, the, 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 these boys delivered out of this fire, he would probably sit and reflect on his arrogance and be overwhelmed by the grace of God that he just experienced. And he'd probably say something like this, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind. Couldn't see because of myself. Couldn't see because of my own image. Was blind. But now I see. I see that Daniel's God is the great God. I see that it's not my way, but it's Yahweh. If you're in here today and if you wrestle with this theme song of arrogance, I challenge you to play this theme song of grace and recognize that his grace is so much bigger than who you ever could think you could be. I mean, his grace overwhelms, overwhelms your image of yourself. Be consumed by the grace of God. The the Hebrew boys, if the Hebrew boys had an opportunity to sing another song, if they could give another expression, can you imagine how good it must have felt to, to, to walk in that fiery furnace and to walk out? I'm sure they walked out I'm sure they walked out like Shaft, you know, just walking, just just kicking it, you know. Shadrach, Meshach, and that bad Negro, you know, it just would have hooked it up, you know. <laughs> That's what you say at my church. But don't, so now some of y'all try to retell my stories. Don't try to retell that one tomorrow at the water cooler. It won't, it won't go as well with you. It won't go as well with you. But can you imagine them walking out and being overwhelmed, saying we were faithful to God. But as faithful as we were to God, our faith pales in comparison to his faithfulness to us. Great is his faithfulness towards us. Probably say something like, great is thy faithfulness. 
Great is thy faithfulness. Moment by moment, morning by morning, new mercies we see. All we have needed, your hand, God, has provided. Great is your faithfulness, O God, unto me. We were faithful, but God's faithfulness overwhelmed us. If you're feeling pressure today, stand, because great is his faithfulness. The crowd, the crowd. Can you imagine the crowd watching this image? Watching King Nebuchadnezzar, watching the Hebrew boys go in, and watching them strut back out. Can you imagine their amazement? There was no question. There was no question as to whose God was the greatest. There was no question as who won the day. It wasn't this golden image. It wasn't this, this, this King Nebuchadnezzar. But I'm sure they said something like, Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great Thou art. You are the great God, O God of Daniel, O God of the Hebrew boys. Sitting here today, and you're you're wrestling with who is the one true God. Keep your eyes open, and then we'll sing your soul. How great this God is. Let's pray together. God, there are many theme songs that invade our life. Themes of arrogance. Themes of self-control. That it's, it's all about me. Themes of pressure that cause us to want to give in and throw in the towel. Themes of doubt that cause us to question who really is the true God. Well, God, I pray that the theme of scripture, that song would invade and pierce our hearts today and that we would be amazed by your grace, overwhelmed by your faithfulness toward us, that we would see a great hope in the one true God and recognize how great you are. You are the true God. And we sing songs to you. We love you, God. Allow your song to invade our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.